Hi, Grifters. You're listening to the Leverage 10 podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of the Leverage episodes and answer your questions. I'm your host, Kayla Dobson, and today I'm joined by executive producer and co-creator, John Rogers. Thanks for joining us, John. Thank you. Yeah, I'm all alone this time. <laughs> I know, since it's just the two of us, we'll, we'll be able to even little, answer even more. Of a little bereft. Questions. All right. What do we got? All by yourself. Uh, today, we're answering the Twitter and Facebook questions on episode 504, French Connection Job. Uh, so let's start off with a question I'm sure all our fans are wondering about. Uh, our favorite, the Bacardi Queen, asks, did the idea for a cooking-centric episode revolving around Elliot have anything to do with the fact that I, re- I really want you to be reading her questions kind of drunk. I- so. <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry, go ahead with the question. Um, did the idea for a cooking-centric episode revolving around Elliot have anything to do with the fact that Kane loves to cook, and did he add any of his own cooking comments slash nuances, or was that all scripted? Uh, well, it originally started because we had the location. We scouted Portland. We found a fully dressed culinary school, and it was like, well, don't leave those lying around. Uh, and then, of course, the fact that Christian does, in fact, cook uh, just made it really easy to sort of blend his own interests in there. A couple of those recipes are his, and he was very, uh, that's him doing all the cutting and all the prep work and stuff like that. Well, that's our next question. Organ Lamb oh, asks, sorry, I didn't look ahead. how many takes to get the celery cutting just right? Boom, just one. Was... He's, he's, he flies, man. He's, you know, it's actually, it's funny because he's shown me. It's not hard once you learn how to do it. It's just okay. learning how to do it. But, uh, yeah, no, that was, uh, and you know Christian's uh, planning on doing, like, his own cooking show on the web. Yeah, he just announced yeah. that on Twitter, we saw. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's, that is not poser stuff. That is really him, racking it up, rocking it up. I hope he really wears the red, the red chef suit. I don't think he'll do that. I think, I don't think it'll be that, but. <laughs> uh, so kind of moving on to talk about the other characters in the episode. Mags asks, the Nate Sophie theater bits were great. Will we see more? Yes, you see several times uh, the interaction of Sophie with her uh, theater players. And also, I will tell you, in the season finale, uh, Sophie's players play a very large part. So, yeah, you definitely, that's one of those little things. We started as a runner, and the actors in Portland were so kind of delightful (laughs) that we wound up just using them more and more and more. I love it. Um... Actually, yeah, what's the guy's name? Is it Jeremy's the character name? Zachary, Zachary. Zachary. Paula, you can say Zachary. <laughs> Why do you never talk? It's You're freaking me talk, out. Paula. <laughs> I don't think the, we're ever going to get to talk. We'll never get to talk. Uh, it's Zachary. Zachary kind of has an arc this year. Mm-hmm. Like, so he actually has a, like a fully, uh, fully complete arc. Awesome. Uh, and we're talking about Parker now. Eddie asks, at the end, was Parker embracing her, re-embracing her passion, or was she really seeing the artwork for the first time? And that's why she was just looking around, not touching. She's really seeing the artwork for the first time. She's really understanding what other people... Look, it's about empathy. And that's really what Elliot's speech is about. And, and empathy is one of the hardest things and the last things that Parker is able to really learn. Okay. And it's the idea of you know understanding what people are trying to communicate through art and what they're saying with art, mm-hmm. no matter what the art form, uh, be it painting, statue, uh, statues, poetry, performance. Mm-hmm. You know that it's not just a thing; it's uh, something someone's trying to get across. And so that was sort of the first time she got that open to her. And so now she's looking at all this stuff that. Uh, you know, for the first time. And we, we really had kind of a, you know the moment from Ferris Bueller where Cameron is looking at uh, Sunday in the Park with George and just you keep doing this cross cut mm-hmm. as it just kind of consumes him? Um, that's what we were going for, just this sort okay. of sudden moment where Parker realizes, oh, God, I get it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and just but sweeter because that's madness. That's okay. the moment you kind of realize that Ferris Bueller exists only in Cameron's head. Yeah, that's, yeah. So what was Parker feeling when she was looking at the statue? Uh, whatever makes you think it's the most interesting <laughs> choice. That, that's an actor choice. I'm not that gonna, Ferris Bueller was just in her head. That, that just Ferris Bueller and Mia Mia Sara were just in her head. I can't remember. I can't remember her name. Sloan. 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 
<laughs> we have another Parker question. Kala asks, Parker rediscovers that she really does like quite a few things in this episode. So is part of the theme this season about the team rediscovering things about themselves? Is I don't, rediscovering I, I, I don't know if rediscovering is the right thing. I would say that it, part of this season is about people taking that final step. Okay. into a, being a different person. Okay. You know, everyone's been very much in transition, and it's a mixture of both, like, I can now do new stuff, and also I know where my limits are. Okay. So That makes sense. Um, that kind of wraps us up on Parker. We have our favorite Una Not O'Neill asking... Una Not O'Neill. <laughs> Emily Not Han. Asking now some questions about Elliot, and since this was an Elliot-centric episode... Super Elliot-centric. Um, so when Nate and Elliot are talking at the beginning about Elliot's past, Nate says basically you did wet work, and Elliot nots yeah uh google tells me that this means assassination slash murders is that correct did they, they had to go to google for that <laughs> wow what works been in the vernacular for a long time yes elliot elliot did very bad things mm -hmm. elliot killed people for the government and then he killed people as an independent dude and then he decided to stop killing and just do retrievals and uh you know that's why he goes out of his way um I once once wrote about the fact that Batman and Punisher are the same guy, okay. except that Batman has a better work ethic, because you know Batman fights a bunch of people and he like he knocks a dude down and the dude gets up. He's got to hit him again. He's got to hit another dude and he's got he's just working all night. Punisher walks in with a machine gun and just shoots ten guys. He's home before Letterman. You know Punisher has like a lot of spare time on his hands. So, you know, which is funny because Batman's the one with all the, the, the gimmicks. So, I mean, that's that's kind of Elliot going from Punisher to Batman. That's Elliot, that's Elliot like, I'm not going to kill people, and then kind of realizing, wow, it takes me a lot longer not to kill people than to kill people. And that's why you have your great fight scenes. Every fight scene is Elliot desperately trying not to kill someone. That makes sense. Much like when I worked with Jackie Chan, Jackie told me all his best fight scenes were when he was trying to get out of the room. But that Jackie's best fight is when he's running away. And so go back and watch the films, and except, of course, for the end of Drunken Master, which is just epic and awesome. <laughs> Drunken Master 2. So who do you think is a leverage fan, Batman or Punisher? Uh, wow, I don't know. I don't know. I think Punisher... You know what? I, I would say Batman probably actually does watch a little TV. I don't think Punisher watches TV. No. Yeah, Punisher is, is the more mentally ill person of the two mentally ill superheroes. <laughs> They're all kind of mentally ill. I mean, that's well, one of the unspoken things. Among, among those of us who write superhero comics, it's just... That's why when I wrote Blue Beetle and Jaime, it was the, the, the reason I think people responded to it. He was one of the only guys who was like, you know what? I'm going to Google this stuff and figure out how my powers work and find others... And just, like, you know, didn't act like a crazy... He was the first one to not go, I will hide this deep, dark secret from my parents. Instead, go, Mom, Dad, alien bug! And, you know, just... <laughs> have a normal 16-year-old reaction to all this crazy, yeah. you know, crazy bullshit. Well, moving on, we have another Elliot question. David Hunt asks, so how much of that scene of Elliot holding the knife on Rampone was Elliot actually considering killing the guy, and how much was Elliot punishing him by making him think he was going to I think he was punishing him. That's okay. a Christian question, but in my head, it's like he is he is in control enough that he just knows he's mm -hmm. just going to scare the hell out of the guy. And I know when I was watching, that was I was I was questioning like, what yeah. Look, do? it's it's do? up to the it's really up to the viewer at that point. I mean, Christian played it very loosely, and then you could see you know Nate taking kind of the edge off it with the banter mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I could I could see an argument that there's a decision moment in there watching it. Okay. Um, but that is uh, that is a good sort of that's that's whatever you think is a cool moment. Makes sense. Uh, moving on now to... You know, I'm not ceding authorial control. I just like the fact... <laughs> some shows, there, it's like, I will tell you exactly what that character was thinking. I kind of like the fact that between 
the writer, the director, and the actor, mm-hmm. there's moments that even I go, yeah, I'm not sure where that landed. Yeah. You know, that's to me, that's a fun show. There's other people who don't find that a fun show, but for me, that's the fun of it. Well, don't stop the fun train, yeah. as we say. Uh, moving on now to Hardison, Lillian asks, will we be getting more Hardison backstory? We've met people from every other crew member's past, so any chance we can learn more about his life in foster care with Nana? Um, someday we'll do a Nana episode. Uh, it's it's weird because Hardison is weirdly the best adjusted of the bunch because he had a loving background. Mm-hmm. He found something he was gifted at doing, and he just uh, he was we found him at his youngest. Mm-hmm. So this is actually we're watching him during his arc rather than there's a lot of Act Zero backstory. Mm-hmm. His Act Zero backstory is very much just young Hardison from season one. Yeah. So, you know, there's no great dark mystery. There's no dark sin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's no sort of scar against them other than, uh, you know, being the underclass in a, in a, uh, in a overclass society. So, you know, I, we'll do an end episode someday, but I, I don't know how much is back there for us to hang out. And, you know, I've, I've said this multiple times. I don't much care for backstory. I don't mm-hmm. like Act Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you're saying is we're not going to have any more Leia fights. No Leia fights. I thought, look, we gave you three layers, um, a black layer, which which uh, Jeff Thorne says is the only black layer he's ever seen. Uh, you know, that's the, the, you got a lot of stuff going on in that scene. That's that should have hold you for a while. True. Uh, now moving on, we have some questions more about the episode and the season. Uh, Damaged Hearts asks. <laughs> we always love Damaged, Damaged Hearts. Hearts. We always love the it. support group. Uh, French Connection was fab as there were quite a few law lines in this episode. LOL for people who can't see the question. Do you pronounce it lol? Or you always lol. pronounce it LOL? You really? Lol. Ah, you young it's people. It's L-A-W-L. I get it, I get lol. it. Lol. Young. Uh, did anyone have a hard time not cracking up on screen? People always have a hard time not cracking up. There's Our, our gag reel is always just full of people mm-hmm. blowing lines and swearing like sailors. Uh, Reese Graff has got a mouth on her like a sailor when she blows a line. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's a, it's a good fun set. It was a good fun episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, the gag reels are usually included, like the party reel from the the, the pardon me the rap party reel is usually on the DVD. So yeah. you'll see it. You you can see everyone's having fun. This year's ever, gag reel was good. Do takes ever get ruined by the director or writer laughing too loud? No, because you work you work very hard at making sure you do not do that. I get yelled at when I was young. Um, uh, when I was a young writer on Cosby, I laughed. I screwed. Up. I I didn't screw up a take, but it was it was like I got a big glare. You 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 train yourself not to. Uh, you work very hard. Um, I screw up. I, I didn't screw up a take. I screw up calling cut when I was directing Danny Glover. Uh, it was the scene where he talked about like he'd had a good life, and he finishes, and I I was literally so choked up I couldn't get the cut out. I was like ha 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 ha. So so that's on the gag reel. That no, that's not on the gag reel. That's just like oh, I just we're done. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you're, you, you, the crew works very hard not to laugh. Well, for our last uh, official question. Oh, our, we have a non-official question. We have bonus questions for, oh, great. you know. When there's only one of us, it just flies. I know. There you go. Uh, so our favorite Una, not O'Neill, asks again, do you have a plan for season six if you get one? You know, since you're going to break us in 515, as you keep telling us. Uh, well, you know. <sighs> wow. Um, well, season six, if it comes, is going to be different. There's no lie about that. Yeah, that is, you guys have seen the finale, so you guys know that is, uh, that is, it will be, it will at least start out being a somewhat different show. Um, I think the season six plan, because the the changes are kind of so radical that that it is a matter of people learning a new equilibrium Mm -hmm. and uh, and going forward from that. Um, There's a lot of room for fun. 
but you know honestly uh i don't it feels like you're jinxing it honestly i always like to, i don't like to start when I was when I was younger and I was writing pilots, the thing about mm-hmm. shooting a pilot, like the global frequency pilot or anything else, is you'd be working and you'd be in the middle of the shoot, and you'd suddenly see all five years of the show. Mm-hmm. Like the actors would just click, and you go, "I know exactly how to make this. Mm-hmm. I know how to make the hell out of this for five years," and they wouldn't get picked up. And it was like it was not like your pilot had gotten canceled. It's like you'd lost your five years of your show. Mm-hmm. So I'm very personally, Chris will tell you he's like got nine million ideas, <laughs> but I'm very kind of emotionally locked down until the pickup. That makes sense. And I think that you're... Because I, I, my, my heart has been damaged. And so... You need to join Damaged Hearts. I don't know get... where they meet. I don't know. Are they in yeah. a church basement in the Midwest somewhere? Are they, are they online? Is it an online support group? We should start an online support group. Oh, fine. Damaged people Hearts. aren't going to be that... People aren't going to be... Uh, people aren't going to be that upset for the season. Oh, God, they're going to be upset for the season. Yeah, five. John. No. Yeah. <laughs> We actually screened it the other day with Tim, and Tim turned around at the, the end of the, at the second act and said, you may be the worst human beings on Earth. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. All right, moving on. We don't want to do any spoilers. But yeah. uh, well, we actually have some bonus questions, as we said, some of the more, some more fun ones. Um, quite a few of our Twitter fans were asking, did Christian actually get cut in that knife fight? Yeah, I did. He got cut. They got nicked. It happens. Oh, man. It just Even with the blunt knives, it happens. You know, but Christian's Christian, and Marshall's Marshall's. Yeah. They, you know. So they tried to do that, right? No, no, they, there was that was an accident. Just when you're throwing blocks and stuff like that, it just you know, that happens. He's got if you if you ever meet Christian, you just go have him take yours through the Taurus scars. I think I can't remember is the one on his lip. I think that's from Secondhand Lions. Uh, but yeah, just from the, a lion? No, no, Secondhand Lions from the from the sword fight. I think the guy oh, okay. screwed up the sword fight and made contact with his face okay. and his sword. Um, that's still yeah, because he did all his own sword fighting in Secondhand Lions. Wow. So that, which, you know, he will he will tell you uh, he's very proud of, even though the insurance company hates. So um, <laughs> I think that's where he met Anthony Delonges. I think that's where he trained him. Um, but, but yeah, no, that, that stuff happens, and, and Christian will take you on a tour of the scars up and down his forearms from various sundry uh, stunts and blade fights and stuff. We need to do a podcast just on that. Just on Christian scars? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I bet that's more scars. popular than the one of me just talking. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I bet that, that, one, that one should come with a video, and I think you'll <laughs> do very podcast. well in the downloads there. We'll do it next time. Uh, so Margaret McCormick asks, was the line, Great the name. end is mostly... Margaret McCormick. Margaret McCormick. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Was the line, the end is mostly silent, scripted or not? Um, it is scripted. Okay. I think, but it was, I think, I don't remember when it came in, though. I think mm-hmm. it was a late edition, so it might have been a Tim Improv we put in the script, because I remember seeing it on the page. Um, I th- and it is born slightly the fact we have such a hard time clearing names, because we churn through names faster than most shows, mm-hmm. because we have bad guy names... And the crew has names. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just, we put everyone in a very negative light because they're criminals. And so it's just, it's it's not like just having the uncle of a murder victim on Castle. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's a festival nightmare. So at some point it's just, what's a name that doesn't possibly, and there's actually a joke about that in 501. Pick a name that can't possibly exist is, is now a running joke in the writer's room. And the Nar Slabdash, Gar Slabdash came from the same thing. So, and also Tim likes that. I mean, Tim, Tim plays a little Archie Goodwin on those. Mm-hmm. Like he digs the fact he's kind of fucking with the guy. So yeah, well, I think that's what our fans kind of enjoy yeah. as well with that character. Uh, Kimber asks, "You said we get to." Hear I forgot some- I can swear, right? Yeah, okay, go ahead. Right. We just have to label it as explicit. Oh, there you but- go. <laughs> uh, Kimber asks, "You said we get to hear Sophie's real name this year, but how obvious or not so obvious?" It is, is it super obvious. Be? Oh man, it is super obvious. <laughs> you hear it. You hear it. <laughs> so to wrap us up, Michelle asks, who were some of your favorite Leverage villains over the past five seasons? 
Wow. Say favorite leverage villains over the past five seasons. Um, well, Hart Bachner's coming up in the back half. He's pretty great. We mm-hmm. haven't seen that one yet. Uh, Treat Williams was great. Carrie Elwes was great. Uh, I love Gorn Vizek. He was fantastic and mm-hmm. such a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And Alexander, um, it was Alexander Stewart who played the the, uh, the president in San Lorenzo job, was really great. I mean, you go back and watch those scenes with uh, Alexander and Gorn and Tim, and it's just like watching a play. I mean, they're just really mm-hmm. killing each other. And, and notably, we, we filmed those scenes like a play. We actually shot seven pages at a time. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just running through. Um, let's see. I love the two Irish guys from Boys Night Out. Uh, uh, see, it's, it's the 77 of them. I never thought I'd forget anybody in 77. <laughs> um, you know who I loved? Uh, and I can't remember the actress's name. Right now, I'm so sorry. It was Anne, I think it's Anne-Marie Johnson played the funeral director mm-hmm. in... Um, in uh, the grave danger job and she was so good about halfway through I'm like shoot I wish we could stop and rewrite the script that give her more like I really wish we could figure out a way to continue all the way through it she was so good Mm -hmm. um uh let's see well first season well Sterling's technically a villain in the first season so he's pretty great but as we we argue all the time he's not really a villain he's an antagonist um there's a difference? Yeah, there's a big difference. A villain is someone who, who just is doing bad things. An antagonist is the person who's opposed to your protagonist. Doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad person. Well, it just means they're opposed. Them. Yeah. That's that's very important. Everyone when you're writing, it's important to remember even villains are justified in their moral universe. Nobody okay. thinks they're a bad guy. That's why we have the evil speech of evil on the show, where everyone <laughs> explains uh, why they do what they do. Uh, so who played um God, first season. Who played the woman who uh, we had Brent Spiner and we had um, Holly, uh, shoot, she played the villain in the chess episode. She was great. Third season. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's amazing. 77 episodes. Wow. Uh, and that's nothing compared to some shows, but it seems like a long time for us. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm, I'm forgetting tons and tons of great. I, you know what? I, I'll, I'll put a post up on the blog, and then people can go and say their favorite villains. Beautiful. There you go. Perfect. Uh, and don't forget... For our fans, that all of these episodes that John just mentioned, you can download them off of iTunes. There's our plug. Um, well, I think that wraps us up for this podcast. There you go. So thanks. Oh, ag- you know what? Tom Skerritt. Tom, Tom Skerritt's technically a villain. Tom Love Skerritt it. in the in the uh, in uh, the the three card money job is great and just really it's a beautiful performance. It's just such, such a pleasure to have him there. So sorry, didn't mean to interrupt the wrap up, but I was sitting there like third season. We had good stuff third season. Right? I can't remember anything. Yeah. Well, that about wraps us up. I was drinking a lot. Well, as as always, right? So thank you to our fans for sending us your questions. Thanks to John for being here. Uh, Be sure to tune in next week when we answer your questions on episode 505, Give Me a K Street Job. And don't forget, you send us your questions about that episode via the Leverage Facebook page or hashtag Leverage10Podcast on Twitter. Thanks again, Grifters. forget grifters you can download the new season five episodes from itunes after they air as well as all your old favorites and be sure to check out the new leverage series companion ebook available for download on the itunes store